Welcome to the Chapman CG Podcast, inspiring and informative conversations with top HR leaders from around the world. Organizations that invest in a high potentials program often need assurance that such an investment will provide a return over time and high potential employees will not be lost to competitors. So is the current model of talent development too restrictive? And is there a growing appetite for greater experimentation and creativity? I'm here with Dan Mitchell, Asia Head of Talent, Learning and Diversity at Marsh to discuss how organizations are nourishing top talent. Hi there, Dan. Hi, how are you doing? Good, thank you. And appreciate your time today. So tell us a bit about yourself and about your role at Marsh. Sure. Yeah, uh, I work for, uh, as you said, Marsh, which is a, an international U.S.-based uh, insurance brokerage. So we do, you know, broke uh, insurance from you know, for big commercial risks all the way down to small and medium-sized enterprises and do uh, specialty insurance, property and casualty, employee benefits, the whole the whole shoot and match. Um, and uh, a little bit about me. I mean, in, in, in the Asia uh, region, my job is talent learning and diversity. So I really look at our talent management strategy, learning and development uh, strategy. Um, and in those two areas, I really look at um, our succession planning and, and uh, talent development kind of approach. And so that's where the overlap is between talent learning. And then, of course, on top of that, cutting across all those areas, I look at diversity as well. Um, been in Asia for about 20 years, uh, originally from the United States. Well, thanks very much, Dan. Very comprehensive. And I, I mm -hmm. like that you come from the consulting background and you're an in-house professional. So I think, you know, this gives you, you know, quite an edge in terms of, of what you're doing now at Marsh. So let's, let's dive into the subject and let's talk first of all about the basics. So, you know, in, sure. in your mind, what distinguishes a higher potential employee from a high performing employee? Sometimes they're one and the same. Um, as a matter of fact, the ideally, in the definition of a high potential employee, it's someone who has already demonstrated high performance in uh, one area or another. So if you're looking at someone as a um, high potential employee, the expectation is that they've already demonstrated uh, that they're actually able to perform in uh, challenging roles um, and that on top of that, uh, they demonstrate also potential to advance and take on more responsibility in the organization as well. So they, uh, the, the model that we use across the organization in, in Marsh to really uh, look at and assess potential is the CEB model, which a lot of your listeners may be familiar with. So that's, we look at ability, aspiration, and engagement. And that, and like I said, in addition to performance. But I mean, you know, it's, it's, this is one of those areas where I think there, you know, like, like what Henry Mintzberg says, I mean, Henry Mintzberg, uh, who's an academic from Canada, has written a lot of great books and done a lot of really good research on strategy and performance. Um, one of the things he says, and management in particular, I mean, he's, he's definitely well known for his thoughts on, on, on management and what good management actually looks like. He says, you know, ultimately management is not necessarily a science or a profession. It's really an art. Um, and to a large extent, I agree with that. And I think that really plays out when you look at assessing uh, performance and potential in organizations. I mean, you can actually, there, there's a lot of different models out there. Um, there's, like I mentioned, the CEB model, where you look at aspiration, ability, and engagement. Um, there are other models out there available that other people use. There are assessment tools that are available, um, which are, you know, there's a huge number of assessment tools in the market, whether they're, you know, kind of, you know, these personality assessments or, or various other types of psychometric assessments, which really um, claim to, and I think in some instances do a good job of of assessing uh, potential. 
Um, but ultimately, all the tools in the world won't necessarily um, help you so much if, uh, unless you, within your particular organization, have kind of a philosophy on what ultimately are we looking for. So if you look for potential in a generic sense, you might get lucky every once in a while. But, you know, a potential, I think potential and performance assessed in one organization might look a little bit different than in another organization. And those things look different at different levels as well and in different operating environments. So I think there needs to be, rather than a very rigorous one-size-fits-all approach across the board to assessing these things, I think, you know, it's good to have a framework in place and something that you fall back on and a model that you use to, to, to establish some level of consistency. But both within HR and the talent community within a business and amongst managers, a lot of dialogue needs to take place to really confirm and make transparent. When we say that someone is high potential, what in our own minds does that mean? Because one of the things that we spend a lot of time looking at in Marsh, for example, is in our assessments of potential in particular, performance to a certain degree, yes, but a little bit less so because performance is, you know, um, I think a lot of times you can go back to the metrics and what the expectations are in terms of the person's role and what goals they actually have and to what extent they're actually successful in achieving those goals. That's one thing. But when you're looking at potential, um, there, it's, that discussion or lack thereof can be really be subject to a lot of bias. And I think that's where it can actually fall apart. So no matter how good of a model you use, um, if people have, if they approach the potential um, discussion uh, or, or, or in, in assessing potential, if they've got a bias around what that means that's different from someone else in a conversation, you may uh, end up actually talking at cross purposes and, 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 and not really getting a result out of the process that's going to be beneficial either to the organization or the, to the people who are being assessed. And that's, that's really where it matters as well, because you want to make sure there's a fair and transparent process in place, because ultimately you're talking about people's lives. You're talking about people's careers. And um, that's uh, that's something that's kind of a sacred trust that you have to really take seriously. Well, I can see now why you have diversity as part of your title, because, of course, you know, this unconscious bias is something which I think um, is definitely a hot topic in um, in the world. But I think uh, it's just filtering down into Asia right now. Let's talk about that. So once I guess once you've worked with the business, you've identified what this what it means to be a high potential. What are the key challenges in, you know, in that regard in developing um, a program for these high potentials? Yeah, we're going through that process now. We've been actually one of the things that I've been happy with at, at, at Marsh is I think that there's an openness to experimentation. And so we've been trying a number of different things in different regions to really figure out, you know, what's what really works uh, when it comes to developing um, high potential talent. You know, after they've been identified and you've got a cadre of, of talent that you're looking at who have been identified as as potential uh, future you know leaders in which the organization wants to make an investment. What can we do to develop those people? For me personally, I mean, the way I look at it is that as much as possible, uh, development of high potentials needs to be driven off of a, a few core you know, fundamentals. First of all, there, there, there needs to be, a, apart from the, uh, the assessment process for, to identify potential, I think you actually need to look at um, an assessment process of individuals once they've been identified to really determine what are those learning, what are those, uh, learning needs. And, and in line with um, you know, it, what are those learning needs and, and how do they support that person's career and their career aspirations? Um, and also how do they support the organization? So the assessment process, I think, is, is an important one. And, you know, some of the things that are included in that is 
Uh, for example, I mean, we look at 360 feedback as a valuable exercise to see, to help uh, colleagues, high potential colleagues really determine how are they, you know, how they perceived in the organization by their peers, by their direct reports, even, it, you know, their bosses and even occasionally outside of the organization by people that they work with, let's say in the carrier or the insurer community or in other professional organizations that we work with, including clients. So, you know, really get to, as it says, you know, really get a 360 view of how they're actually perceived. And then we do other things like look at their, we do a personality assessment to really get a sense of what is it about their their personality that could really enable them to be successful, but could also reveal blind spots, um, you know, for people who are particularly introverted or extroverted, for example, how is, um, you know, in, in many instances that could, you know, be a, a great help, but they may not necessarily be aware of some of the challenges they may be facing in their job or their professional arrange, uh, relationships may be driven to a certain extent by how their personality projects. So I like to look at the, the personality uh, assessment and the 360 feedback as like two sides of the same coin. Uh, the personality assessment kind of says, you know, this is, this is how you show up to the world around you. And the 360 feedback uh, shows, well, this is how people respond to that. And then based on that and various other things, including an in-depth discussion with the manager and the colleague and or their high potential colleague and what their objectives are, goals, short, medium, and long-term, uh, we work with them to put together a development plan. Now, after the development plan is, is put together, what we do is we look at over a 12 to 18-month period, what kind of experiences can we create to really challenge this individual in a way that's going to be meaningful for them in their development? And one of the things we really look at is while we do use workshop based training to help people. What we try to do is get away from that as being our mainstay because you know in a workshop, let's say you take someone to a you know a group of people to a hotel and you're putting them through this facilitated process. I mean, I like to look at that as it's almost like an unnatural process in an unnatural environment. You can't expect to have real transformation of people sitting them in a hotel um, uh, for two days, uh, talking to them and even having a, even a, with a fruitful discussion around some development area, it, it, that may inform their development and may help to adjust their mindset. But ultimately, it really comes back to what actions do they take and how much feedback do they get on, and are they able to incorporate that feedback into making adjustments in terms of how they approach a particular challenge or problem? And then they, can they go back to it, execute against that objective? And again, continue refining that. So it's the, it's the idea of challenging our high potentials in a way where they, they'll get a chance to do something that's going to stretch them beyond their current capabilities, potentially, get feedback on that, and then reflect on that process and try to, uh, try to have a more, um, I guess, uh, deliberate process around really thinking about What's, what's my progress and how much further do I need to go? So it, for, we, we don't really, in our high potentials program, what we call our top talent program, it's not a one-size-fits-all program. You can look at 10 people in that program, and each of those 10 people are going to have, to a certain degree, 10 different experiences. Um, you know, there are going to be some workshops and maybe some webinars and stuff that they'll go to, which are common, but the majority of it is really going to be purpose-fit to that particular individual, their needs, where they sit in the business, where they aspire to move to, and really what the organization would like to see from them. Thanks very much, Dan. So you mentioned, of course, that you know you wanted to experiment in Marsh. Have you come up with anything creative, um, which is sort of out of the ordinary, about how you deal with um, high potential beyond this sort of 12 to 18 month model where you try and create these experiences? Well, there there are a couple of things. I mean, some of the things that we've done experimentation-wise in Marsh. 
are not necessarily things that are like completely brand new and never seen in the market, but they're just new to us. So I'll give you an example. I mean, one would be something that a lot of your uh, listeners would be very familiar with, which would be action learning projects. Now, if you've never done an action learning project within an organization, it doesn't matter how long <laughs> action learning projects have been around, it's going to be new and it's going to be challenging for people to adjust to. Um, so that's one of the things we've tried and, and, and there were definitely some growing pains around that, but they're all part of the experience. I mean, one of the things that, um, that uh, I advised all the participants and the sponsors on in the project was, in these projects that we set up was, this is not just something which is pure learning. And this is not something that we should look at as like a no fail type of situation. The expectation is that there is going to be a performance expectation and output, um, you know, some kind of impact that's expected from this project. And you're going to be held accountable for that. So, you know, when it comes to being a high potential and being recognized and being uh, getting visibility uh, within the business and really wanting to stretch yourself and grow and challenge yourself, what I always tell people is be careful what you wish for <laughs> because, you know, now you've got it. So you do have to step up. Um, so that's one of the things we've done. And and uh, we've, we're in the midst of running some projects now. We're seeing some really good results coming out and people really stepping up and, and, and doing things that they hadn't done before and contributing to the business in a very different way than, you know, the, what their normally their day job would dictate. Uh, so that's one thing. I, I mean, another thing that we're doing. Uh, in the organization, again, not incredibly new in the larger scheme of things, but new for a lot of our guys is mentoring. I mean, I, I we put together a, a a program actually for the for the uh, for the for the group that that's wrapping up now the 2015-2016 cohort in our high potentials program, and and um, the the you know we did a mentor matching process, so this whole elaborate process where we help them understand what does it mean to have a mentor? How do you get the most out of that relationship? How do you meet the person halfway and really make a contribution to the relationship and not just sit back and wait for things to be done for you and all that. And then we put the people together and, and, and really try to give them support in getting the most out of these relationships. And it was interesting having one-on-one -on -one conversations with, with, with some of our high potentials coming back to me and saying, Dan, I don't, I don't know what to do with this. I mean, this is a really senior person in the business. I don't want to waste their time. Uh, how do I handle this relationship? How do I, it, it, for, I think for a lot of colleagues in, in Asia in particular, not necessarily every country, but in, in many countries in Asia, there's not necessarily a corporate culture of mentoring, at least not something that's really formalized in any sense. Uh, so when you, when you introduce that, you do have to, to, especially some of the younger colleagues, but even some of the more experienced ones, you do have to invest some time in really guiding them and helping them kind of understand the benefit and the approach to take to this so they can really get something out of it. Um, and, and I think um, the, the, the third thing that, that, we're, that we're doing, actually, which I think is, is, is quite interesting, is, is we're, we're asking people either in individual projects or in group projects to really look at you know, not where are we now and where do we want to improve performance now, but really what's around the corner uh, for Marsh. So it's almost like, you know, doing a little bit of a skunk works type of thing and really looking at in order for us to be really competitive in the future and to really matter as a um, intermediary, because, you know, you know nowadays um, and, and it's been going on for quite a while, but um, with, um, you know, business to business uh, e-commerce and, and with, um you know, Web 2.0 and, and, and all the, the innovations that all the innovative business models that have been introduced via uh, the Internet. I mean, one of the 
one of the things that has really happened, I think, to a lot of intermediaries is a lot of intermediaries have been disintermediated. Um, you know, they've been kind of, you know, I mean, we've seen it happen in a lot of places. I mean, think travel agents, for example. Um, so you know, there's there's a really there's a massive potential value add that we bring to the table for our clients. But one of the things I think historically that insurance brokers like Marsh have maybe not been great at is really um, bringing that value proposition to the fore in a way that becomes obvious to a client rather than just, you know, going to bat for them in the market with the insurance carriers to kind of get the cheapest price for them. It's really how do we differentiate on a, at a risk management level and change the conversation for clients from price to um, risk and capital, for example. And this is a real value that we bring, but that requires a very different mindset, different approach, and a lot of creativity. So we put this challenge to our high potentials and thought, what needs to change about the way we do business, how we develop people, how we hire people, our retention strategy, go-to-market, everything strategically, what do we need to be doing differently? To really, uh, you know, plant a flag in the marketplace that really differentiates us. And it's really giving them that challenge, which I think for a lot of high potentials has been like a, a like a, an oh crap kind of moment. Cause it's just like, <laughs> wow, this is no, this is no joke. This is really important. And it's the company is looking to me to make a contribution to this, not just to the senior management to make these decisions behind a closed door. Yeah, and I guess that empowerment is probably hand in hand with um, the mentoring process that you talked about in the second point. And I think, you know, that's a good place for us to lead a conversation, especially since, you know, we hear a lot of people at the global level who ask, you know, how can we really train the leaders of tomorrow? And I think there's a few building blocks that you've identified there very successfully at Marsh. Thanks very much, Dan. Thank you. Um, that was Dan Mitchell, the Asia Head of Talent, Learning and Diversity at Marsh. For more excellent conversations from Chapman CG, subscribe to our podcast series or check us out at chapmancg.com.